Well, good morning. What a joy it is to be together once again for worship and looking forward to us opening up God's Word together this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12 together this morning, and we're specifically going to be looking at verses 6 and 7. Now, your bulletin guide shows 6, 7, and 8, um, but we're just going to do 6 and 7, so we got two points instead of three points this morning. So I just want to make that known right away for those of you who just has, have to fill in all of the blanks together. We're, we're in the middle of a sermon series entitled, Follow Me. Jesus, as he was calling his first disciples, said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That was a call that he made to his initial disciples and throughout his earthly ministry, he called people to follow him. And this is still his call to people today to follow him and to come unto him for salvation. Two weeks ago, we began walking through the Sermon on the Mount together, and we said that this is the greatest sermon that has ever been preached. And last week, we said that the Sermon on the Mount is a disciple-making sermon. This morning, our message point is this. The Sermon on the Mount calls us to a radical way of living. When I say radical living, it is because this sermon calls us to a standard of living that the world considers radical, doesn't it? When we walk through the Sermon on the Mount together, we see that this is a sermon in which it called, Jesus called his disciples to a radical way of living. So let's read together this morning, beginning in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you... When others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. By way of review, remember the Sermon on the Mount is a message that Jesus preached to his disciples. So the Beatitudes can only be lived out by Christians. Yes, Jesus preached this message to the disciples and to the crowd that came. But remember, the crowd, they were admirers at this point. They were not yet followers of Jesus Christ. And also, the Beatitudes are a packaged deal. You can't pick and choose which of the Beatitudes you're going to live your life by. Jesus calls us to live our life by each of these. So we can't say that I want to be a peacemaker one day, but then I'm going to avoid every avenue that could lead me to be persecuted. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemaker. And he also said, blessed are those who are persecuted. Jesus begins his sermon with this word, blessed. 
Blessed, when translated from the Greek, means happy. When translated from the Latin, it means blessing or approval upon. Fundamentally, it is the idea of being approved. Jesus begins teaching his disciples and telling them that this is the kind of life that God approves of. I think all of us in this room want to live a life that God approves of, don't we? Notice point number one this morning. It's this, develop a spiritual appetite. Develop a spiritual appetite. All of us in this room know what it means to have an appetite, don't we? Look at me, and you can see that I know what it means to have an appetite. If I ever miss a meal or or I'm on the threshold of missing a meal, guess what? I become a little bit irritable. I may be even a little bit angry. I don't know about you, but I love the Snickers commercials. You know, where they take someone with star power and, and they, they transform form them into a scene. I, I, I think it was two or three years ago during the, the Super Bowl, they unveiled one of those commercials where Betty White was a star. Do you remember that commercial? Um, the, the scene sets up like this. You've got a group of grown men who are out playing tackle football without pads. I mean, any time a scene sets up like that, you know that it's going to be pretty good. And so the ball is snapped, and all of a sudden you have these two group of men go at each other, and they're making every kind of grunt noise that you could possibly make at that time. And then all of a sudden, at the top of the screen, you see this little 90-plus-year-old lady, Betty White, who is going out for a pass. And she's running about this speed right here, if you remember that commercial. And right before she's about to catch the ball, the defensive player just tackles her, uplifts her, and drives her into this muddy puddle of water. Y'all remember that? Remember that scene? And Betty White, she gets up. She, the next scene shows her in the huddle. Now, she's inside that huddle. I mean, she is just a muddy mess. And the quarterback turns to her and says, Mike, what is your deal? And Betty White replies, man, you have been riding me all day. And one of the other men in the huddle says, you're playing like Betty White out there. And to which point she snipes back at him with, with something. And about that time, the scene shows Mike's girlfriend coming up to him. And as, as she um, comes to him, or Betty White, she hands um, her a Snickers. And Betty White takes the wrapper off and she takes a bite of that Snickers. And in a moment, she is transformed into Mike. And she goes, better? And he replies, better. And then the, the commercial, um, the screen goes black and you hear this famous um, line from Snickers. You are not you when you're hungry. This morning, I want us to be aware of this, that you and I are not us until we are hungry. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, we read this. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it says, Solomon said, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. 
yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. God the Father has placed eternity within the hearts of each and every one of us in this room, as well as each and every person that has ever walked the face of this earth. He has created within us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, a hunger and a thirst for eternity. Unfortunately, we try to um, satisfy that hunger with wrong things, don't we? I know that when my stomach begins to growl, I have a choice to make at that time. I can get in my car if it's a weekday, and I can drive down to Whataburger, and I can get me a bacon cheeseburger, an order of fries, and a, and a sweet tea, or I can be disciplined and go a little bit further down the road to Paradise Cafe and get me a salad and fruit dish or a salad and a soup. Guess what I tend to do more so than not? Water burger. Water burger. Amen. That's right. Whoever has just said that. In the same way that I satisfy my physical hunger with bad nutrition, oftentimes you and I satisfy our spiritual hunger with wrong things, don't we? We satisfy our spiritual hunger with the things of this world. Here is the reality, and I fall into this category as well. The reality is this, that most of us in this room know more about our favorite professional sports teams than we do the Word of God. We know more about our favorite actors or musicians than we do the Word of God. We know more about our professional fields of study than we do the Word of God. Most of you in this room went to college for two, four, six, eight years. Some of you are on that lifetime pursuit of education and you're still in school. And the reality is this, you know more about your professional field than you do the Word of God. Shouldn't we give at least equal amount of energy towards studying God's Word as we do to learning the professional fields that we are in? I mean, the reality of that is yes. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Isaiah said this, He said in Isaiah 55, 2 through 3, we we read this. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligent to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love for David. And then in Jeremiah, we read, Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that cannot hold Water. Many of us this morning find ourselves living for and hungering for the things of this world instead of the things 
of this Lord, of, of, of the Lord. Our soul is hungry and our, our, our spirits are thirsty. What is it that we're feeding ourselves with? The things of this world? Are we filling ourselves up with the things of the Lord, with his word? You know, this past week, um, we did this last year and we did it again this year on Wednesday. We had a um, recognition breakfast for our Fairview police officers. And as we met together and fellowship together, I want you to know, first of all, this is a great group of men and women. You can be proud of your, your, your police force here in Fairview. But as we met together and shared together, I shared with them what we're going to be looking at next week. Um, Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 says, blessed are the people peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I made it clear, first of all, that this passage is a passage that's directed at Christians. I told them, though, that they are peacemakers, aren't they? Our police force, they are peacemakers. The reason we have a need for a police force is because of the broken world that we live in. The result of sin is why we need peacemakers to help um, um, reconcile the brokenness of this world with the law of the land. As Christians, we have been called to reconcile this broken world with the Lord, haven't we? Toward the Lord. Jesus came preaching a message of repentance and calling the world to God the Father so that sinful men could be reconciled with his holy God, holy God and holy Father. One of my favorite revivals that I've ever studied is the Welch Revival. This is a revival that took place beginning in 1904. This revival began when a group of young people began um, praying and began seeking the Lord and began calling upon the Father to bring about revival in their personal lives as well as across their country and in their churches. One of the leaders of that revival was a young man by the name of Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts drew a circle on the ground. Actually, he was in church, but he drew a circle, and he stepped inside of that circle, and he said, Lord, begin revival with me. At which time the Lord instructed him to return back to his home church and begin preaching to the young people. And so Evan went back to his home church, and he began preaching to the young people. And as he preached to them, one of the young ladies within that church stood up and she said, I love Jesus with all of my heart. And at that moment, revival began to break out in that church. And before long, it would sweep all across the land. The men that preached and led those revivals to services, they had a four-point message. And this is what their message was. Confess all known sin, receiving forgiveness through Jesus Christ. In order for revival to take place in our lives, the first thing that we must do as well is confess our sins and repent of those sins. Also, they preached, remove anything in your life that you are in doubt or feel unsure about. Be ready to obey the Holy Spirit instantly. And the fourth one, publicly confess the Lord 
Jesus Christ. As a result of this message, as a result of what the Lord was doing between 1904 and 1905, 100,000 people, it is estimated, came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ within that small country of Wales. The reports also say that the bars were closed. Instead of taverns being full at night, the churches were. And this is the one I love. The police were not needed. So they formed quartets and went around to the different churches to sing. And as a result of this revival, the nation of Wales was reconciled for a brief time in history to God the Father. Can you imagine what would happen if revival started within this faith family? Can you imagine what would happen across this city and across these cities if you and I were committed to the Father to bring about personal revival and corporate revival in our lives. There's no telling how many people would come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If that was to happen, here's what I I could guarantee you, there'd be no need for our police force. Instead of them out patrolling streets, they'd be sitting in our pews on Sunday morning. Do you hunger and thirst for God? If we are going to hunger and thirst for God, then guess what? We must desire righteousness in our lives. Blessed are those hunger and thirst for righteousness. What does it mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness? It means this, that when you and I hunger and thirst for righteousness, what we are hungering and thirsting for is to be in a right standing with God the Father. None of us like to be in broken relationships, do we? We don't like it when our our marriages are broken. We don't like it when our relationships with our children are broken. We don't like it when our relationships with those that we um, do life with um, at our places of employment are broken. Nor do we like it when our friendships are broken. When those relationships are broken, what do we do? We try to reconcile those relationships, don't we? Because we realize how miserable our life will be if we are at enemy with those that we are the most closest to or at war with those that we are the most close to. In the same way, you and I need to live our lives where we are always desiring to be in right standing with God. That's what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to hunger and thirst, to always be in right standing with God the Father. The reason we need a revival is because as a church, as individuals, and as a nation, and as a world, we are not in right standing with God. Our world is in chaos today, and the only thing that will ever bring this world together is the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice point number two this morning. It is this, the scripture is, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. What is Jesus calling us to here? He is calling us to demonstrate forgiveness. That's our second point, demonstrate forgiveness. Blessed are the merciful. This word merciful means this, a merciful person is a person who shows leniency, compassion, or forgiveness, especially towards someone who has offended them. If we are honest, most of us in this room struggle 
in the area of forgiveness, don't we? If someone does us wrong, what do we want to do? We want to reap justice upon them, don't we? Don't we? I mean, if someone does us wrong, we want to get back at them because that's what strong people do. You know, a person that always seeks forgiveness, that person is a weakling, aren't they? At least that's what the world tells us. But we know the reality that that is not the truth at all. Jesus on the hills of saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, says, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who show leniency to others. Blessed are those who show compassion to others. Blessed are those who show and demonstrate forgiveness to other people. If you and I want to be found in right standing with God, then guess what? We also must be found to be in right standing with other people as well. You know, I will be the first one to tell you this morning that this is so much easier to preach and to speak about than it is to actually do. I have struggled in the area of forgiveness, offering up forgiveness and seeking the forgiveness of other people. So I stand up here this morning before you telling you that I am a flawed man when it comes to, the, comes to forgiveness. I've got some work to do in my own life. But we know that in order to be in a, in a right standing with God, we also have to be in right standing with others. So this morning, I want us to look together at how we can be found to be in right standing with God and right standing with others. That's what a radical life looks like. A radical life looks like a person who is in right standing with God and a right standing with other people as well. So let's look together at, at a few um, points this morning. And, and as I was um, working through this, um, I came across an, an, um, some, some, some points that a pastor by the name of David Dykes had put together. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a few of those this morning, and, and I've manipulated a few of those this morning as well. But the first thing that I want us to see is I want us to ask ourselves, why should I forgive? Why should I forgive other people? You know why you and I have no choice but to forgive? It's because the Lord Jesus Christ forgave us, right? We read in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You and I have no choice but to forgive others because the Lord Jesus Christ forgave us. In fact, God demonstrated his love to us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us is what Romans 5, 8 says. We also forgive because resentment will ruin us. Man, I don't know about you, but I've had a resentful heart in my past. And man, it ate away at me for the longest of times. In Job 21, verses 23 and 25, the Good New Translation puts it like this. Some people stay healthy till the day they die. They die happy and at ease. Their bodies well nourished. In verse 25, others have no happiness at all. They live and die with bitter hearts. How many of you have ever known a person with a bitter heart? 
How many of you have ever had a family member maybe that was bitter or a friend that was bitter or just some person that's random that you have always kind of run into and you're like, man, that's a man or woman that's full of bitterness. E. Stanley Jones shares this illustration. He says a rattlesnake, if it is cornered and becomes angry enough, will bite itself. And that is exactly what the harboring of hate and resentment against others is. It is a biting of oneself. We think that we are harming others in holding these spites and hates, but the deeper harm is to ourselves. Bitterness doesn't hurt other people. It hurts us. It hurts us. Notice this also. How do we seek the forgiveness of others? Well, Jesus makes it abundantly clear to us in the Sermon on the Mount, and we'll get to this in several weeks, but in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 through 24, we read this. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, And then come and offer your gift. So before we can get our lives right with the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to make sure that we're getting our lives right with other people as well. Three helps when seeking the forgiveness of others. The first one is this. Listen to the people you have hurt with whom you have not made amends. Sometimes we just have to listen to people that we have hurt. Isn't that right? Sometimes we just have to sit down face-to-face with them and listen to them spill their guts pertaining to why we hurt them. We also are to humbly ask them to forgive us for the wrong that we have done. And that's hard to do sometimes. That requires us to die to ourselves and to leave our pride at the door when we do that. And then also we are to rest in obedience even if the person refuses to accept forgiveness. That's important right there. You may go to somebody and say, hey, I wronged you. Please forgive me. That person may say to you, There is no way I'm going to forgive you. If they do that, that's on them. That's not on you. What you have been instructed to do is go and ask for forgiveness. Whether they accept that forgiveness is is not up to you. That's upon themselves. We read um, in Romans 12, 18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Live peaceably with all. Man, we need to be people that seek to live at peace with our brothers and sisters. The final thing here that I want us to see is, how do I forgive other people? How do I forgive other people? When someone has wronged me, how do I forgive them? First thing that we are to do is we are to reveal our pain and reveal our hurt to that person that has wronged us. And then we are to release the desire to hurt those who hurt us. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Vengeance is not on us. We are not the one that are, that are to bring about revenge or vengeance. That is the Lord. What we are to do is we are to go and ask for 
forgiveness. In Matthew 18, verses 21 through 22, Jesus says this. We read, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say, I did not I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. So how often are we to forgive those that have wronged us? 77 times. Seven is how many times we are to do that. We are to do that every time that that person comes to us and asks us to forgive them. We see here that we are to replace the pain of being hurt by others with God's peace. We need to live at peace with God in our relationship with him so that um, when it comes to our relationships with other people, we can also be at peace. In Philippians 4, 7, we read, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Forgiveness is not an easy thing to offer up or to seek from. But notice this. Jesus said that the reward for being a person that forgives is this. They shall receive mercy. By us seeking and offering up the forgiveness to others, guess what? The Lord Jesus Christ promises us that he too will forgive us. When you and I live by the standards that God has established for our lives, we will be shown mercy by God the Father. You know, you may be here this morning, and you may need to seek God's forgiveness in your own life because you have never entered into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you were to die today, you do not know where you would spend eternity. Scripture is clear that we're going to spend eternity in heaven or we're going to spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. How can you know for certain that you're going to heaven? You can know for certain when your life has been reconciled to God. And how is your life reconciled to God? It's reconciled at the moment that you repent of your sins and you ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. If you are here this morning and you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision you could ever make. And that is to repent of your sins and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of those sins and make a commitment that you're going to live your life for him. Knowing that the Sermon on the Mount calls us to a radical way of life. I want us to know, I want to ask you this question this morning. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Have you sought the forgiveness of other people that you have wronged? Have you tried to reconcile the relationships that have been broken in your past? If we are going to live a radical life according to this world, but a normal life according to the Lord, then we must hunger and thirst for God, and we must be people 
that are always seeking to forgive and be forgiven. So if you're here this morning and there's a decision that you need to make, I want to invite you to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. First of all, to turn your life over to Jesus Christ. You made this morning as we enter into this time of invitation, as we sing together, you may need where you're at just to, just to stay seated or just to come to this altar and kneel and ask the Lord to reveal to you any, any relationships that you need to mend. Or you may need to come and ask the Lord Jesus Christ just to give you a hunger and a thirst for more of him every single day of your life. I know that I need that more. I need to hunger and thirst for more of God every single day than I do today. Let's make a commitment that we are going to do that as a faith family. As we do that, guess what's going to happen? God's going to transform us as individuals, and he's going to transform us as a church, and we're going to see God do some radical things within this community as a result of Friendship Baptist Church. Let's stand together, and I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. If there's a decision you need to make this morning, we invite you to come. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you now, Lord Jesus, just thanking you for the opportunity just to to gather together around your word this morning. Father, thank you for the Sermon on the Mount. Thank you for how it calls us to a radical way of living according to this world. But we know that, Lord, it calls us, you called us to live a normal life. Man, living with a hunger and a thirst in our heart for you is what you created us to do. So that's normal for us as believers. And Lord Jesus, you also called us to be people that, that are quick to forgive and quick to seek the forgiveness of others. Because, Lord Jesus, you came to this earth and you died for us and you forgave us so that we could have life and so that we could demonstrate your love with other people. And part of that demonstration is, is demonstrating forgiveness. So help us to be people that, that model forgiveness. Father, just move now during this time of invitation. If there's someone here that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, we pray that you'll draw them this morning unto salvation. Lord, just move now. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.